Hey guys, it is Wednesday, November 20th. This week on the podcast, my friend Belolo Jonga joins me to discuss all kinds of things in crypto, especially the psychology behind crypto and blockchain. He's a very knowledgeable guy and has a great take on the industry, and I think you guys will definitely enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. All right, Belolo, how are you doing? I'm good, Brandon. How are you doing, my man? I'm good. How's your Tuesday going? Tuesday as well. Starting out, starting out a little, a little busy, but I like it like that sometimes. <laughs> no, I feel you. Getting things done. <laughs> For the people that don't know you, um, some people might, some people probably won't. Um, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, I know you have a strong background in psychology and then kind of how that's led you to where you are now in crypto and blockchain and whatnot. So, yeah. So my name is Belolo Janga, um, entrepreneur, uh, social media manager and expert. My psych background, I've always been interested in the human mind. That's just kind of my MO, understanding that interpersonal relationships and intrapersonal relationships um, are the foundation um, of building a world where we'd like to live. And so following that passion, I attended Pittsburgh College, um, majored in psych, followed right along with that. But I took a different path in utilizing the things I learned there, along with my own personal lessons in business and entrepreneurship, taking advantage of smaller opportunities to really find a way to help as many people as I can through the through my own example. So recently I wrote a book. Um, it's called Break the Illusion. Um, That's the latest big news thing that I did um, in the last year. Um, reached a global audience. I used a lot of my social um, platforms to promote the book, and it's received all great reviews. Talks about many things, expands into many different markets, um, and it has many applications and things like crypto and blockchain. Um, those things interrelate. Um, and using that as my platform. Um, I'm building my name. I use my social influence and my lessons in marketing, and I apply those to different disciplines. Um, I found myself getting into crypto. Uh, the first time was in 2009, exposed exposed to it when uh, Wikipedia had Bitcoin donations. Um, and I couldn't buy Bitcoin then because I was so young and my mom wouldn't let me use a credit card. But I fast forward to like 2014 when I met Brandon, when I met you um, and we got connected and introduced me to Litecoin. That was the first time I bought crypto. Uh, then the Mt. Gox, ha the, the hack happened, lost all my crypto there. And then in 2017, I found myself back into the market before the bull run really, really kicked off. So I've just been around the market. I've also studied the market, studied the culture. Um, Really, really love the philosophy behind blockchain and the philosophy behind Bitcoin as a new monetary um, policy and issuance for people to, I guess, do commerce and interact. Um, and again, they, they, this relates to everything that I talk about, um, everything that I'm interested in, because at the end of the day, it deals with people. Very cool. I know you pretty well, but I mean, that's, that's a good description. And yeah, I, I was definitely writing that 
2017 bull market as well. It was pretty fun. I mean, there wasn't really anything that you couldn't buy that wasn't going to go up <laughs> at that point. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, I mean, it, was, it was almost silly to speculate on, on what was going to be a good project when, I mean, everything was up like a billion percent. Exactly. Um, obviously, we live in a little bit different world two years later where things right. are starting to take shape and form a little bit. But mm-hmm. no, it, it, was, it was fun. I think a lot of people definitely got more involved after that. Definitely so. I, I enjoyed that. Um, just 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 from like the standpoint, a lot of people, um, again, because crypto's been around for such a long time and like we they've had their own bull runs, you know, from like when it was Bitcoins with thirty two dollars and it jumped up to a thousand, you know, and it crashed back down. But like just the fact that people got to participate and build wealth through that period was like phenomenal. I think that was a really, really, really big takeaway for me. Yeah, there's a lot learned through that for sure. And <laughs> you mentioned your book too, um, a little bit. And I've, I've definitely read it and I've definitely gone through it and you definitely have an interesting take on a number of topics. Um, but you also mentioned how some of that can apply to blockchain in some ways. So I, I was kind of mm-hmm. curious, like your thoughts on that, like how does certain things in your book that you wrote psychologically apply to blockchain or, or Bitcoin in your, in your view? I'll start with limits and talking about scarcity. So really looking at scarcity and in relation to, to value. So Bitcoin as as a monetary as a monetary instrument um, builds its value essentially, essentially considering all other things through its limited, its finite amount in in the marketplace. Where market where the markets have moved from gold and silver and taken and we've been taken off that standard. Bitcoin gives us something tangible now so we can track, we can we can properly evaluate its use reflective of the market. Now, the opportunity itself, the, the, the mere fact that blockchain it was seen as something that could be used in the financial means and create new avenues for people to interact, new avenues to create commerce, new avenues to create wealth. I talk about that in limits where we get an image. We get an image, and if we get fixed to the image, we get attached to it, and it formalizes and crystallizes. Whereas innovation comes from being attached to a very flexible image. Think about all all innovators, the Wright brothers when they created manpower flight, the the creation of the modern world, and organizing organizing the means of production. It took a pretty large vision to make those things happen. And there are certain things I talk about in my book, like the third eye and appearances, um, where you have to have that vision. You have to cultivate that. You have to see through the illusion. You have to see through what is, or rather see beyond what is currently manifested throughout our reality. So someone decided one day um, that blockchain had its use in society. Long story short. Um, the founders of Bitcoin, the founder or founders, because we don't know who Satoshi is, created Bitcoin as a monetary um, instrument in a time where money was circulating at a rapid rate. We were just we were just getting credit cards and whatnot. So it's been an idea that's been floating around there. But now it's crystallized and it's really powerful what happens when we actually make use of our vision to manifest things like that. So. Generally, so generally speaking, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to the vision that created Bitcoin and that created the the blockchain platform to exist in the in the, in the way it does today so far, 
and where it's leading us to go. That's a really big thing. Yeah, definitely is a big thing. And kind of on the topic of scarcity, it, a lot of people, when they look at Bitcoin, and I'm sure you know this, they, they look at the fact that it's mathematically scarce and it's getting mm-hmm. more and more scarce every single year because it has a limit. And the um, the inflation on Bitcoin decreases every single year, which adds to the mm-hmm. scarcity. Um, and a lot of people look at that and say that's one major factor for why it has value. Um, the other way to look at it is Bitcoin is not one of a kind. There's a whole bunch of other cryptos out there. And you could look at it from the perspective of the market being oversaturated with thousands of these. Depending on how you look at it, I mean, Bitcoin either could have a lot of potential value or mm-hmm. it could really have no value just simply because there's so many options. And exactly. from, from your perspective, there I mean, there are a lot of people out there that have to weigh that decision out every single day on whether or not they're going to buy or sell one um, or invest mm-hmm. in it or choose to believe that it has value. Do you mm-hmm. think that either of those really psychologically uh, plays into the minds of the the investor? It definitely does. And I think you, you put it pretty eloquently where valid, like Bitcoin's predominant value in one lens is the scarcity factor, which has driven markets for as long as we can remember. You know, gold has its value beyond other things because it's scarce and it's hard to come by. Bitcoin took that idea and just digitized it. The long story short, you get all the technical stuff out of it. It just digitized that process. Um, so there's definitely a scarcity factor there, but like you also said, it also created a market where there are other tokens, coins that you can believe have value given what they offer you. So to the casual investor, um, or to the investor period, consider what they value. One should consider what they value most in the exchange of value. There are privacy tokens out there, for example, you know, because Bitcoin is kind is semi anonymous only by, I guess, strings of text. But if you follow, you follow the golden trail, you can you can find out who's been doing what if you do enough blockchain analysis. So privacy tokens, for example, um, there are things out there like 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 Monroe, Dash, Pivx and plenty of others which address this. Um, where they give you a privacy feature so that you don't get, so you can actually get anonymous transactions. So if you value privacy, it's probably worth investing in those kind of coins or tokens or blockchain adaptations. And I think that's what's beautiful about Bitcoin. It started out, it started out with one main value proposition, and by its nature, it's allowed to evolve and incorporate many of these things, which are permeant, uh, which permeate throughout the market. So I think it'll always have its place as maybe the gold standard, if for nothing else. There's also room for other coins and other blockchain adaptations monetarily to exist and derive probably if the same, if not more value than Bitcoin. But again, it's up to the collective to decide that for itself. Now, Bitcoin has the advantage of being first and psychologically that really, really matters. Um, but just because they're first doesn't mean that they always will be. 
And I think that's what I love about this space, that it's still in its beginnings, even over 12 years later. And we can't say for sure what's going to be on top in terms of profiting as, a, as an investor now. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. And it, I mean, Bitcoin's been around for over a decade too. So there's there's a little bit of brand recognition there when people think about mm -hmm. it. And there's a lot of symbolism behind what Bitcoin stands for and why it was created. And then just the pure fact that it's been around that long and it's done nothing but increase in value. Uh, the community gets mm -hmm. bigger every single year. I, I think there's a lot of symbolism behind Bitcoin psychologically that also drives its value. I think so as well. And for some reason, it just made me think about this, um, not to get into politics, but to see the American, it made me think of how the decentralized nature of Bitcoin, where they're independent parties, relatively independent parties, um, all cultivating and developing the, I guess we will call it the token, the, the token, the coin. And for some, and and given that's given that it's been its nature, and of course it was first, it has withstood the test of time so far, and I think it's in large part because of that. Where there are very few things that can get done without the collective agreement, and it made me think about. And maybe this could be this could be seen as a positive and or negative, the American the American system of, of government, where it's essentially look looked from the macro point of view, similar to Bitcoin in the decentralized nature of our states versus the federal government. And how maybe how maybe it stood the test of time and stayed on top for so long, given it's grown massively large, but also because every state and every province has its kind of own independence. And there are very few things, very few things that, even though they're strong, they, they unite, they unite the country just like the Bitcoin. You said, um, so that was like the positive, where it's like, it's like the strength of Bitcoin reflects the strength of the USA, at least the perceived value of the USA, where, where we've marketed our, where the US has marketed itself as the greatest country in the world, even though that's very debatable. Bitcoin has that similar proposition in the in the in in the in the crypto market, and I think it's in large part because of that decentralized nature. There are several there are several things that are centralized, which may get things done faster, but for some reason have not surpassed the value of Bitcoin yet. If for not if ex excluding the fact that it's been around first for so long. Right. But I mean, value has also been shifting towards Bitcoin in a lot of ways too. Like you're seeing, mm -hmm. a, you're seeing a lot less people buy gold. You're seeing a lot less people actually buy into stocks that are much younger, under 35. You're seeing mm -hmm. a lot less people hold on to cash and move to uh, digital systems where um, they can use like Apple Pay or the Cash App or something like that that allows them to be cashless in a lot of ways and i think a lot of that has to do with accessibility and at the same time understanding the perceived value of the us dollar as well and a lot yes. of that can be attributed to to bitcoin and i i think that's represented in its value since it's gone up from pennies to its highest point almost 20,000 where it's sitting now just under 10,000 
Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that that has happened over what, like 11 years at this point, um, yes. r- really testifies to where Bitcoin's going and its, its value, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely attesting to where it's going. And also, we, if for nothing else, like you just you were just describing, it's reflective of many unique narratives and unique things that are going on within our society today. Again, we're going cashless. Um, um, we're working on getting ourselves to becoming a cashless society so that way we can increase our efficiency through our lives. Um, I think that's the really the, the, the big thing that I see that I see that is blockchain, not even just Bitcoin, but blockchain's value prop. It's reducing the inefficiencies that go on through our modern world. You know, like going back quickly, going back to my example of the U.S. Um, and of politics, necessarily not necessarily politics, but just the way things are structured, the decentralized nature of the U.S. Um, its downfall, at least, it's the negative of that. The drawback is that things are very slow. You have to wait for a lot of things, and not necessarily because it's not necessarily that relates to Bitcoin, but the the mere fact that we can replace a lot of inefficient interactions through our government and not even just in our in our government but in our businesses and in our interactions on a day-to-day basis with other people that we can reduce those we can reduce those inefficiencies and reduce the friction it it that is that permeates through permeates throughout existence to get things done and to create a more collectively beneficial society for everyone absolutely so i think so i think so yeah i definitely think that like if for nothing else, it's just the, the the blockchain itself, and its value prop as it as it as an efficiency facilitator will transform this world one way or another. And given Bitcoin is a monetary reflection of that of that paradigm, amongst the other things we were talking about, cashless society, and and other mechanisms, it it's only reflective of where that and the crypto space in general is going. We were talking about competition versus cooperation and how blockchain is really starting to drive that. And it's kind of along the lines of what we're talking about right now and reducing friction. Um, and if we just look at companies for a, sec- for a second and we look at um, capitalism, what capitalism has been able to do for society, whether good or bad, competition through capitalism has led to a lot of development, a lot of technological development, um, has in a lot of ways made life better. And, but I mean, there's still a lot of friction with competition. I mean, it's, there's a phrase that we all know, two minds are greater than one, right? Right. So, I mean, it's awesome to have competition and to push each other to be better all the time. But at the same time, there's a degree of cooperation that needs to exist in the financial world, in industry, um, amongst corporations that can be very difficult because, you want to remain competitive and you don't want to be overly vulnerable because you have IP, you have uh, private information, you have things that are proprietary, make your company unique, that make your company profitable. And it can be very dangerous to cooperate with another company and share that information or risk sharing that information, which also kind of dives into privacy. And I was talking to someone about Mm -hmm. this for a previous podcast as well. With blockchain, I think we're really starting to see the possibilities where you can take all this competition between companies, bring them together, and create an environment where they can work together on projects 
and share information and data, but also keep private their own proprietary information. Exactly. I was going to let you elaborate on your thoughts on that as well. I just think it's a really critical aspect for taking a further leap in society. I mean, whether it comes to value creation, whether it comes to development, ingenuity, being inventive and creating things, I think it's a a very important step for us to take. I think blockchain really helps us get there. Those last few things you just said were pretty much the core of it. Value creation period, ingenuity, creativity, all these things can only truly foster in most and the keyword here is healthy and for like a health for a healthy system to exist creation needs to be at the at the forefront like you like you said before competition has been useful it has its use but in in and of itself as the means to drive to drive industry and to and to drive interaction it go again goes against nature nature is inherently cooperative um i talk about that in my book Every, all is one, one is all, all reflects each other. Um, and when I get to the chapter on ownership, which hints, hints at um, monetary and economic principles, everything flows healthily in a system when, when things are flow, when things are being shared. That could be money, that could be information, that could be methods, that could be whatever it is you, whatever it is, is valued within the given constructs. So, Though the thing that I love about the, the blockchain space and, and crypto space right now, actually two like two I, I see I've seen two great examples of this. Um, Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. They had their own split a long time ago, given a core, I guess a fundamental difference in belief in how they operate. The DAO hack, yeah. Yeah, given the um the DAO hack. Um since then. I've seen community, the communities in some respects kind of be in a sort of competitive environment where obviously Ethereum took off because um, it was considered the Ethereum. So marketing-wise and development-wise, it's just been superior. But I've seen recent in like within the last year or yeah, actually within the last year when I first bought um, a couple um, Ethereum Classic tokens and some Ethereum, I've seen the development where they're working together, where the Ethereum Foundation is working with them, um, and they're working on making the blockchains interoperable. And I've seen, I think, what was it, the Doge, yeah, the the meme token of of them all. At least it's considered so. Create create a version of um, an interoperable interoperable. Funny saying that word um, with Ethereum and testing that out and it's been welcomed. I think the the mere fact that a lot of this stuff is open source just fundamentally, a lot of these a lot of these technologies and adaptations are open source, so anyone can pick up um um the open source version of Bitcoin and fork it and create a new version of it. And by doing that, you you giving life to the to the space. You know, a lot of the development with Bitcoin itself right now is happening in part due to the other players in the space. And while some will see that as competition, really it's it's create it's a creation of value throughout the space overall. Um and the sharing of information, the way it's going so rapidly now and I I think it's it's in 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 and of itself the crypto space led by Bitcoin and others 
um, and the use of blockchain is spearheading a technological, technological, how do I put this? It is showing a technological reflection of the paradigm that we're entering outside of just tech technology, but even collectively, where things are flowing and information is sharing at, at a much more rapid pace. You know, so the, the ability to create now, because information is freely available on the internet, people are willing to share it and not even charge a dime. Probably the best sources are the people that are sharing it for free. Through just that alone, the mere fact that you can share information, you can create a better you can create a better version of the blockchain adaptation that you're choosing. You can create a new adaptation. You can create new avenues to implement blockchain into everyday lives. You know, like I was thinking about how you've you've done a couple podcasts talking about crypto art and and addressing digital ownership of something. And how you could record that on a blockchain and it'd be there forever, transparently and open and available to the public to see. And it, and it and just having those small mechanisms, things like that, available throughout our society will do tremendous things. And I think, again, given the collective paradigm, Bitcoin, um, the crypto space, the blockchain adaptations that are manifesting now are just pure reflections of where we are today as a society and where we're going which is phenomenal. And it's spearheaded mostly and and the core the core the core of that is again the sharing, the sharing of information, the choosing to cooperate versus compete, which it seems unna- it seems almost unnatural given the habit that we've been in for the last century. But now but now we're relearning that cooperation is the way. And of course, as you mentioned, there are there are nuances to that. Again, privacy there um some people still operate under the the competitive the competitive way where they will they will do somebody wrong or they will steal something from somebody or do something that is not in the best interest of another person or entity but overall the shift the shift into cooperation has shown more fruit for a lot of people than just competing and keeping everyone separate again like you just said like two heads are better than one two organizations working together are better than one Two blockchains and two two adaptations of blockchain working together better than one, and it so happens that when you do cooperate, you can do something better for yourself that you couldn't have done before. So, the 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 mere fact that cooperation, sharing, not taking personal ownership outside of using names and marketing, right, sharing the core essence of what makes you think functional. Um, is essential for this space and for its expansion in the future. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And I think what really is starting to drive that is the fact that with blockchain, there's this attribute of trustlessness. Many things you do in life, you have to trust a company or some third party or some middlemen to make sure that your transaction goes where it's supposed to go, that you receive your order on time. You don't get screwed over in a deal. There's there's always this trust factor that kind of hampers and creates friction in the economy. And I think with all this cooperation that we're going to start to see amongst organizations and groups and societies and, and whatnot, it, I think it really boils down to trustlessness, not having mm-hmm. to rely on the other person or someone in the middle to make sure that it's going to be facilitated. And that has a lot to do with what blockchain really solved, which was 
the Byzantine generals problem, being able to eliminate someone in the middle. I, I really think that with not just with Bitcoin, but with the blockchain technology in general, it's it's a huge, huge attribute. I'm trying to find the words here. <laughs> <laughs> this is so there's so much to say with this space that I I I understand like it just it's sometimes hard to get the words out because this it's it's so much in there. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean it when it boils down to it, it's just not having to trust in a third party, not having to trust in frankly anything in business. That the fact that you can do right. that with blockchain is is very revolutionary. Being able to bring two people together or two groups together that maybe don't agree on anything could still cooperate. Right. And that's fascinating. Right. Imagine being able to have an incredibly good person and a, a terrorist work together on something. Right. Like you can take two polar opposites, good and evil, and with a blockchain, mm -hmm. they could come to some type of consensus. It's interesting, like when you think about that from a philosophical perspective. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Like one thing I share in my book, I like even direct to the line, the strongest partnerships in the universe are when two or more entities come together and form and collectively align on a simple goal. You know? So it's like removing so taking out again, this is goes back to the to the removing the inefficiencies, you know, because we judge uh Again, this is not philosophical, but let's. But we judge a terrorist. We judge someone who does what we call bad. And if they're offering to do something good, things down the line, things some something that's really phenomenal for for our world. That the, the mere fact that we label and judge them by what they have done, again, strictly speaking, philosophically, because we because there's a human factor in there where we judge that person, and we just the judgment alone. And it, it, it hampers our ability to get things done. It hampers our ability to create the world we want to see, you know, like to, to, to say it bluntly. Um, and like, the, again, the value prop there, when you put the benefit, when you put the efficient mechanism in there where it's just, where you don't have to trust the other person or the other party, you get to do what you do, you do best at its highest capacity. You don't have to waste energy on an outside entity. You won't have to waste your energy. You can conserve it and transmute it into and into focus on what you do well and improving and improving that as best as possible. And doing that as best as possible, that's what helps get the collective what the collective wants, which is what is the best thing possible. Absolutely. Like take the the US China trade war, for example. Mm -hmm. The U.S. doesn't really trust China for a lot of reasons, and the Chinese really don't trust Americans, and it's very difficult to come up with a, a trade agreement that benefits both economies in the way that China is starting to grow from a export economy into an import economy, and the U.S. Mm -hmm. is trying to transition out of an import economy, economy to an export economy. And right. That, that's just a few minor things. Obviously, there's a lot of issues, but you could take two polar opposite countries that have serious differences and you can use blockchain to build a bridge between those two because they don't need to trust each other. Exactly. Like, and like you just, like you just, you literally just depicted something like they're complements. Like, 
they each each has what the other wants, right? And if you if and what makes it inefficient amongst other things is the things that are attached to their names. You know the the way and again it's all it's all these biases and judgments and the and etc. With along justified minded, but removing just that and you, and you see the value proposition. I want this. This person has that, and this or this entity has that, and and the mere fact that you don't have to trust the other person on the end of that transaction that they will deliver on what you are asking for. It's a it's a very powerful thing. Very powerful thing. Is things things will happen. Things will things will occur much more instantaneously, and even esoterically that aligns with that. So removing the trust factor, removing the judgment factor, now changing the language a little bit. Um, and enabling a judgment-free a judgment-free system through blockchain is it socially, socially, economically, politically, it will remove so many inefficiencies that are due to human bias. Um, for and and enable us to manifest the things that we wish to see throughout our society much quicker, much faster, and much more prosperously than than how it has collectively been done in the past. Gotcha. No, it makes a lot of sense too. What do you think the inhibitors are to not just Bitcoin adoption, but also blockchain adoption? I know those are two different things. I know mm-hmm. blockchain in general is looked at in higher regard uh, than Bitcoin is for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons. But I mean, Bitcoin still has seen massive adoption over the years. But I mean, there's also obvious things that are really inhibiting that. And I'm curious how how you see it, what your opinion is on what those inhibitors might be. So starting off with Bitcoin and then I'll dive into blockchain afterwards, starting with Bitcoin and not even just Bitcoin, but just blockchain and I mean, crypto in general, it's still even after 12 years and even though it's improved technological rate in which people can use the stuff it's still the the mainstream needs a very very simple way to access crypto um we have mechanisms like coinbase um but the inhibitors right now is that there are very few um platforms for people to access crypto it's very limited um so that would be that's what i would consider the first thing um and then also the ease of use, the ease of use to use crypto, the ease of use to access the markets, all the all these things that are at that central authorities are good at doing, crypto is lacking. Um, like we trust banks because they have a system in place that makes it easy for the end consumer to just do one thing, and that's it. They have their money. They have they have the ability to go spend it. You just get this card. Boom. That's it. Whereas crypto needs that. And it's and I've seen in the space it's developing. So that's not really a strong inhibitor. It's just more a matter of development. Um, So that will come with time. Now, with blockchain in general, here's here's something. And I'm just purely imagining now, like what what would keep blockchain from becoming massively adopted? The mere fact that it's pub it's it's a record that cannot be changed, transformed, destroyed, or anything. It's there forever. Insofar as the technology exists, 
whatever's recorded on there exists forever. That kind of permanence now, the transparency part is interesting, but it's the permanence that make that might make some people a little bit hesitant to use it. I see that I see that for overall adoption, it has to be some link through the largest governing bodies. Um, or at least some play with them. And though and that's transparency and the permanent factor of those mechanisms will introduce a, a challenge. Will introduce a challenge for, for mass adoption throughout society. Now I think it will happen. I I think the adoption will happen regardless of that. And they'll find a way to rectify that. But at the current time, transparency and permanence are very scary things for for large governing bodies or even just someone who has something to keep private. You know, we, 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 we're complaining or at least collectively we're complaining about what Facebook is doing and, you know, the power of advertising and what they do to target you with, with messages and whatnot. But they have, they have all this data. Now imagine that data cannot be scrubbed. Imagine that data is being collected and forever in a place. It's, it makes you think, it makes you think a little bit about, whether you want to be using this technology. Now, I think, again, businesses will make use of it. It will, again, the, the the value of how much money they'll save and create via using blockchain versus not, I think will offset whatever that worry may be. But for someone or something that has, that wants something that someone or something that has something to hide, transparency and permanence, which blockchain inherently offers, May inhibit the ability for it to be massively adopted. It could, and that's, and that's just and that's just me imagining off the top of my head. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer because no one really knows. So, I mean, it's okay to speculate for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't worry too much about the technology being adopted. I I think all technologies continue to progress. I think time and history has has taught us that. With blockchain, I worry more about how it'll be used like ethically like will it be used for nefar- used for nefarious purposes jeez i can't talk today <laughs> or, <laughs> or will it be used for good purposes right you can use a blockchain to aggregate data and control society in a lot of ways how china wants to or yeah. you could use blockchain to open and free society right bitcoin being a prime example of that um, so for me, it comes down more to privacy and then what direction do we go? Do we go in a centralized direction or do we go in a decentralized direction? And I mean, the smart answer is, well, there'll, there'll be a little bit of both, you know, and that's, right. that's the neutral answer. But I mean, I, uh, you never know. You, it's exactly. Technology has been used very heavily for good things and very heavily for bad things. Like when yeah. you invent a new bomb, it's not usually used for good things. It's usually used for bad <laughs> things. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? Um, if you. It's, it's so like the utility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's in the eye of the beholder. I think technology, whether it's good or bad, is subjective. If you look at the automobile, for example, it's good if you use it for getting to point from point A to point B, but it's bad if you use it to run over your neighbor. Exactly. So, I, I ran through I ran through a similar example and discussion of talking about the the use case for even just like social media, where they were saying that uh, social media is bad overall. 
And I proposed, and which is pretty much the neutral answer here, but like I propose that that it's that its use and its judgment of good or bad is dependent entirely on the user. Right. And therefore, in this in this case, really answering the question, it's really up to the market to decide that. Given if it's an if, if it's going in a decentralized manner, now if it's going in a more if it leans more centralized than like our traditional systems are, then it's collectively decided by the the most powerful actors, the ones that have the most skin in the game, the most leverage, the most influence in the space, will determine where that goes. But the one nuance here is that the space is open. The space is open for participation by anyone. Whereas traditional methods of getting influence and driving a technology somewhere has primarily been limited to a very select few parties in our history. I think that's one very fantastic thing about the blockchain and crypto space. I also think that a lot of people get confused on, and this is why I brought up subjectivity. I I think people kind of overlook what technologies do and why technologies are important. Technologies, at least in my opinion and from what I've seen and from my research and from my experience, technologies are really when the subject, subjective value aligns with the intrinsic value. Um, Let me give you like an example. And I've, I've probably made this example a few times on the podcast, but I mean, it's, it's important. So like look at transportation, for example. For a very long time, we used horses as transportation. The intrinsic right. value of a horse is not for transportation. It's an animal. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, <laughs> the subjective value of the horse is it can move and carry a lot and get you from point A to point B, right? Right. What technological advancement approved upon the horse as transportation? The automobile is one example. Its subjective value is transportation that's what we use it for but it was also created for transportation so its intrinsic value is transportation that's why riding a horse to work is outdated and no one does it (laughs) you you take your car (laughs) you take the train or you take a plane or you take a boat like whatever whatever you need to do like the technology has value when its intrinsic value is aligned with its subjective value And with Bitcoin, for example, and this is the one point I make all the time because I feel like it's the only point I really have to make. If everyone wants to say gold is money, subjectively, it is money. We agree that it's money. We use it as money. Subjectively, gold is money. Um, Intrinsically, gold isn't money. Intrinsically, gold is conductive, right? That's an intrinsic value of gold. But it's, it's... not intrinsically money. Now, if you look at the technological improvements of money, currency is the closest thing that we've gotten to that with fiat. And for the first time in history with Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. we have a real technological advancement in the form of money where Bitcoin's intrinsic value is money. It's built to be money. And subjectively, it is used as money. So, I mean, if you take Bitcoin, you take that example and you compare it to any technology ever, it has value and it will continue to grow and people will continue to pursue it because that's what it's built for. That's the whole point of technology. It's to improve upon our earlier means 
of survival and living and even improving upon older technologies. Like the invention of the wheel was technology, but we invented better wheels, right? And maybe something will be invented that's better than Bitcoin. That's entirely possible. But at the given moment, Bitcoin's value heavily, in my opinion, comes from the fact that its intrinsic value aligns with its subjective value. And I think a lot of people do see that. I just don't think they really understand why. Yeah. Um, you, you, you pretty much eloquently said that, like the fact that it, it's, it's value intrinsic and use case value is aligned is why it makes sense. It's why it will thrive. It's why it will continue even more esoterically and metaphysically, all the things that are aligned from, from, from intent to, to action all the way through the things that remain aligned are the things that last. People say truth always stands the test of time. Why? Because it's always aligned to itself. Bitcoin as as a technological adaptation of money, whose intrinsic value is money, will stand the test of time. Now, will it be the top? We don't know because obviously that's open-ended. It can. There's also other options too. But But up until now, because it's just like other technologies that have stood the test of time, it's it's use case has always been aligned with this with this intrinsic value, and just by that alone, it can do phenomenal things. Any technology that's aligned with its intrinsic value does phenomenal things, and so when it'll be it'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating in these coming years when the subjective value now, when we when we actually make use of Bitcoin, we actually put the application and it gets more more traction it'll be fun to see what will happen and how that will occur which i'm excited for that's why i love the space it's again it's being brand new we get we collectively get to write the story of how bitcoin becomes to be how the crypto space becomes to be how blockchain gets to evolve because it all naturally it's because their intrinsic values naturally align with its use case there's little to no deviation from that. Same same reasons that excite me and fascinate me about the space. And that's actually probably good. Some good thoughts to to wrap up on, anyways, and let the listening. Kind yeah. Of- <laughs> um, but uh, before we go ahead and wrap up and everything, is there anything in the world of Mister Jonga that you got going on, or that you're working on, um, or any final thoughts, or or how can people follow you? Um, on social media or keep up with you um, or check out your book. I'll kind of leave the last few minutes open-ended so you can talk about whatever you like. All right. Um, well, slowly, slowly getting myself back into posting um, on Instagram. And I post a little bit on Twitter. Um, I will be in, um, enhancing my brand, my brand presence in the coming time. Hasn't been the, 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 the main focus of my period right now. But I definitely wanted to hop on and, you know, get myself out there. So if you want to follow me um, on Instagram, uh, you could find me at bmanfacts. Uh, I share wisdom, meditations, reflections, wisdom. Um, that's the umbrella term for everything I share. You can click a picture, even if it's me, and you'll see something valuable there. Um, I also share content on my Twitter, which is bmanfacts as well, with an underscore. You could find my book at justbejonga.com. That's my personal website that I developed a year ago. Um, and you can subscribe to my email list. Um, and when it comes time in the coming future, 
I'll be sharing a lot, a lot of content. I'll be sharing more deep, deep wisdom, deep esoteric knowledge. I'll be sharing my meditations. I'll be sharing more of my wisdom and I'll be sharing more of pretty much topical things, things like blockchain and how they relate to spirituality and metaphysics. Um, Because again, everything is all aligned. Everything is becoming, the world is becoming grander. And this is one of many, many, many technological implementations in our society that will make that possible for many people. So that said, I'm grateful to being on your podcast, Brandon. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, trying to create more opportunities for people in the space to share their voice and opinion on different subjects and try to, I try to keep it pretty broad, like definitely like bringing on different like crypto artists and whatnot, because they're really driving like the conversation and then bringing on people that are more techie and nerdy like me that want to talk about (laughs) the projects in depth and what they're working on. And then every once in a while, bringing in some more outside people that have different perspective and that, and like you, since you have a psych background, it's interesting to like hear from your opinion and your view, how you see how people in the space think when it comes to investing or when it comes to working on these projects or just seeing the future for them. So definitely thank you for sharing all of that today. Really appreciate it. And we'll definitely have to do it again soon. Yes. Let's definitely have this conversation and discussion again soon, man. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy. All right. Take it easy.